The love of God is not based on how good you are. It is based on how good God is. It is not on your own good. It is on the goodness of God. If you didn't do anything to hand the love at the first place, there is nothing you can do that can make you hand the love of God. It is unconditional. It's going to be an awesome time, of course. We just want to get drunk in the love of God. And Okay. Song of Solomon, everybody. Song of Solomon, chapter 5. We've been on a series. Um, we've been getting drunk with the love of God. And we started with Song of Solomon, chapter 1. Song of Solomon, chapter 2. Song of Solomon, chapter 3. Chapter 4 and chapter 5. Today, we'll, we'll, we'll spend more time on chapter 5. And... Um, I'm going to read from the TPT version of the Bible. and But basically, the, the whole journey of Song of Solomon or the whole essence of the Book of Solomon is just to... It speaks about the perfect love. You know, if you have the TPT version of the Bible, the hard copy on it, it's stated divine romance. And God uh, is love. That's what the Bible says, actually. God is love. And... We, every love we claim we have today, we claim to have between our partners, they are all residue of the kind of love we get from God. That's why the best way you can, if you want to love your partner the more, you need to understand God's love the more. Because agape love is the, is the highest form of love. And if you understand agape love, naturally it becomes easy for you to be able to love your neighbor as yourself. And even the way God wants, you know, there's a place in the scripture that says, husband, love your wife. The best way to love your wife is if you understand how God, in fact, in context, it says, husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church. It is very important for you to be more curious about how does Christ love the church and who is the church? We. And the old book of Song of Solomon, basically speaks about God's love for us. So I'm just going to read TPT version and let's just explore TPT version, Song of Solomon. Everybody, if you're yet to join, don't worry. You can connect later on and TPT version, Songs of Solomon. Just, I'm just trying to type Song of Solomon. Okay. Song of Solomon. Chapter 5. Okay, so basically, um, I'm going to read my own version. It says from verse 1, I have gathered from your heart my equal, my bride. I have gathered from my garden all my sacred spices, even my mar. And I have tasted and enjoyed my vine, wine within you. By the way, the person speaking here, if you have the TPT version of the Bible, the person speaking here is the bridegroom king. We should talk about the picture of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, anywhere you see the king, it speaks about Jesus. Anywhere you see the Shulamite bride, it speaks about you. And he said, I've tasted and enjoyed my wine with you. you remember um, in the early part of Psalm 7, chapter 1, um, we said your love is better than wine. Actually, God's love is better than wine. The love of God is better than wine. It's better than wine. And then, if you continue, it says, I delight in my sacred spice, all the fruit of my life I have gathered from this within you. My paradise, my garden. Now, come, all my friends, feast upon my bride, all you revealers of my place. Feast on our, my lovers, drink and drink and drink again, 
until you can take no more. Drink the wine of her love. Take all you desire. You priest, my life within her will become your feast. And I want to show you something very powerful here. TBT version verse 2 says something. Um, so it's segmented. The reason I'm specifically reading TPT version is because TPT version segmented this book of Song of Solomon to make it easy for everybody. So TPT version says in verse 2, After this, I will I let my devotion slumber, but my heart for him stayed awake. I had a dream. I dreamt of my beloved. It was coming to me in the darkness of night. The person speaking here is the church. I've talked talk, 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 talk about this before. God wants us to continuously practice the consciousness of his love for us. So this is we, you and I, talking here and embracing the love of God for us, saying, I dreamt of my beloved. He was coming to me in the darkness of, of night. The melody of the man I love awakened me. I had his knock at my heart's door as he pleaded with me. So this is, this is when you begin to see how we begin to embrace God's love for us. Listen, God doesn't have an issue with loving us. In fact, God will not love you much more than he has loved you now. But you will realize it much more. God's love for you is agape. Even times when you didn't realize it, he never stopped loving you. You know times when you were hurting yourself, you were thinking maybe God doesn't love you today. Probably because you woke up and you don't feel as if he loves you, he never stopped loving you. God's love for you is unconditional. Every other thing on planet Earth can change. Weather can change. Corona can change. Everything can change. Men change. But the love of God remains forever. Listen, God doesn't love you because you are good. He loves you because he is good and his mercies enjoy it forever. His love for you is not based on the things you do or the things you didn't do. If you have anybody who is preaching to you that you have to do something to earn God's love, you have to check me them and ask them, where are they getting those teaching from? Because when you begin to tell people they have to do something, let me tell you this, I pray, praying is good, but if you think the reason why you are praying is because you want to be want God to love you and they say I can walk and say, oh, God love me now because why you pray. No, you don't understand the love of God. It was a gift from God to us. If God loves you, you didn't earn it. If you are trying to earn what you already have, it's because you don't have understanding. God's validation upon your life is not based on what you do or the things you didn't do. You, you understand? Listen, let, let, let's be logical. Some of you want to be logical. If you tell me the love of God is based on what, the things you do, that means the day you don't do the things you do, then something is wrong. You know, if you have to do something to earn it, you have to keep doing that thing to earn. But the truth of the matter is, you know, that's not the gospel. We, we had radical gospel session yesterday. If you didn't catch up with it, go on the Facebook Live, Instagram Live. It's, it's everywhere. On the YouTube channel, you can catch up with it. But listen, listen, if it's not good news, then it's not the gospel. If you are telling me when I'm good, God is good to me. When I'm bad, God is bad to me. That's not good news to me. But if you tell me somebody got all the bad I deserve, so I deserve all the good he deserved, or better still, that today I, I can get the good I didn't deserve. Because over 2,000 years ago, somebody took all the bad he didn't deserve. So today I am forever blessed. I am forever favored. I am the favored of God. I am the righteousness. Not because I deserve it, but it's a gift. That's good to me. Because if you tell me I have to earn it, it doesn't sound good to me. Do you understand? So the love of God for you is not based on the things you do. If you are trying to earn it, stop that today and just receive you receive gift. You don't work for a gift. If you have to work for it, then it's no longer a gift. So when you talk about God's love for you, you're not talking about you have to do something, you have to do this, you have to do that. No. 
The devil always wants you to feel as if you must do, you must do. But tell the devil, hey, because the first temptation, the devil tempted Jesus. He said, if you are the son of God, turn this to this, turn stone to bread. The, the, Jesus was like, I don't have to turn something to something to prove to you that I'm the son of God. I don't have to do something to feel as if I'm a son of God. Because the last chapter the, in the book of Matthew chapter 3, the last verse says, this is my beloved son who I'm pleased. He didn't do anything. God approved it. Why do you not want me to do something now to prove to you that I'm the son of God? I never did anything to get God's approval. Don't be under that performance trap. It's called performance trap. Where you feel as if you have to do something to hang God's love. You have to do something to make, make him feel as if, okay, today maybe he loves you. And then maybe the day you don't do that thing you always do. Maybe the day you don't pray, you feel as if God has left you. That, that's not from God. When you want to talk about God's love, it's so unconditional. He loves you the way you are. He loves you on your good days. He loves you on your ugly days. You don't do anything to earn it. You don't do anything to merit it. It's a gift. And what you do to the gift, you receive. I mean, the humble one among you. So let's take this step further. Psalm 7, chapter 5. Psalm 7, chapter 5. Everybody, let's just fly because of time. Let's fly to verse 9. Verse 9. Let's fly, fly to verse 9. Let's fly to verse 9. Now, I've talked about this before. I want to teach about it again. Now, the story or the old companion of the book of Song of Solomon, the, they are mainly about like three characters. One of them is King, in quote, King Solomon, which we call the picture of our perfect king jesus christ if you know if you read the book of matthew you have four gospels the book of matthew portrayed jesus as the king you know when in matthew chapter 2 when jesus was born the wise men they said where is the born the king of the jews so the book of matthew portrayed just to us as the king of the jews the book of mark portrayed just to us as a servant even though he's king he also came to serve he said the son of man has not come to be served but to serve the book of Luke portrays just as a man, trying to make us understand that, in fact, you hear something like son of man, son of man, you hear, more, more, hear it more often in the book of Luke. The book of John reveals Jesus to us as the son of God. So the son of God came down to earth to become the son of man so that we, the son of man, today can be the son of God when we get saved. If you're yet to be saved, when you confess Jesus is the Lord, is your Lord and Savior, automatically you, the son of man, you become a son of God. That's his, his love for us. So we can't come. So he had to come to bring us to himself. And it was the same thing he said when he was speaking to the disciples in John chapter 14, telling them about rapture that is coming back. He said, let not your heart be troubled. I'm about to tell you something right now, but before you hear it, let me tell you first. John, John, John chapter 14, verse 1. He says, let not your heart be troubled. So he continued. He said, behold, I have to go. So I have to go and prepare the place for you. He started, he said, in my father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not tell you. So he said, I have to go. But before you start feeling bad, oh my God, just leave. He said, don't worry. We are good here. I will send you the comforter. So the good news continues in John chapter 14. Why? Because we can't come. So he had to come. Why? To bring us to himself. So if you read this place, verse 9, I want to show you something very powerful and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. The Bible says, Song of Solomon chapter 5, verse 9. Everybody's TPT version. That's, I just want us to explore TPT. TPT version. So there are three characters in the book of Song of Solomon. Basically, we have um, King Solomon, which is called the picture of Jesus. Like I said, the book of Matthew portrayed Jesus as king. And then we have the bride, which is a cup, the church. The church is the bride of, of, of Jesus, basically. And then we have... We have these people, you know, this is one of the book of wisdom, by the way. So we have the, a, a third party who is always asking the bride question about the lover, who is always asking the king question about the lover. But in this case, these people, again, they are asking uh, the bride, which is you and I, the church, what is so special about your beloved? 
You're always talking about your beloved. You've been talking about him from chapter one. You always say God loves you. You're always spending time in church. You're always worshiping Jesus. What's so special about your beloved? So this was the question they asked in Song of Solomon chapter five, verse nine. So I'm going to read it out right now. It says, what love is this? How could you continue to care so much deeply for him? So they're asking you, you're always talking about Jesus. You post about Jesus. You go to church on Sunday. Everything you talk about Jesus. You don't want to go into any other conversation except it's the conversation of Jesus. Hey, Jesus, Jesus. They say, what is, what's so special about him? They said, isn't there another who could steal your, away your heart? They said, you're so consumed with the love of God. The only person, I mean, what's, why are you so engrossed with the love of Jesus? And then they said, we see now your beauty more beautiful than all the others. What makes your beloved better than any other? TPT version. 7, 7, chapter 5, verse 9. What makes it, he said, what is it about him that makes him, that makes you ask us to promise you this? So th- there are times like that, people have asked you that question before. But according to this divine romance book, Book of Song of Solomon, we want to answer, and we all read, every one of us will just read this to answer that question. And as you read it, what you do in that process is you begin to affirm yourself. You begin to describe Jesus in the beauty of his holiness. Listen, until you start seeing Jesus literally as your lover, you won't begin to understand or even get the best of your work with God. You, you, I, I don't know what notion about God you have, but if, if, if you're still seeing God as one God somewhere, like one angry God somewhere, who is waiting for you to make a mistake so that I can use it against you, you don't have the right notion about God. The best way to have the right notion about God is when you begin to see him in the lens of the word of God. Jesus is the word of God. And in fact, faith comes by hearing by the word of God. Until you start seeing Jesus, you start hearing words about Jesus in the scripture, it's almost as if your faith can grow. The faith that comes, according to the scripture, is a faith that comes when you hear the word of God. Word of God, according to the book of John chapter 1, says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was God. So it speaks about the person of Jesus. In fact, in the original, it speaks about the word of Christ. So it's talking about Jesus. If you start bringing out Jesus from the scripture, then you build faith. Or else, at times, you can preach religion from the Bible. You understand? But that may not be faith. But you start bringing Jesus from the scripture, it builds faith. For example, the story of Abraham and Isaac, when God wanted to, told Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love. Stop. Genesis chapter 22. Technically speaking, Abraham had two sons. But if you want to bring out faith from it, you, you realize that when God was talking to Abraham, God was also seeing himself, talking to himself, that God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Because for Abraham had Ishmael and Isaac. So if, when God was telling him, take your son, take your only son, God was talking to himself that one time he would take his son, his only son, whom he loved. And then when Isaac was about to, when he was about to crucify Isaac, in fact, another story, in the same Genesis chapter 22, the Bible says Isaac was carrying the wood. Does that make any meaning to you? Because in the New Testament, on the way to Calvary, Jesus was carrying the wood. He was about to go and be crucified. So basically, when you start bringing out Jesus from the scripture, you begin to understand that faith comes. All the Old Testament all speaks about Jesus. Every one of them. Luke chapter 24, verse 47. The Bible says Jesus began to talk about himself. All what, all what was written in the prophet. So all the Old Testament you see, they all spoke about Jesus. I don't talk about the other. Story of Joseph speaks about the person of Jesus. He was loved by his father, Jacob. Jesus was loved by his father. Joseph was sold. Jesus was sold. When you start bringing out Jesus from the Old Testament, he builds faith or else you will get tired of reading the story of Joseph. You will get tired. The only way you can bring faith from the scripture is when you start bringing out Jesus from the, from the scripture. So in this context, they ask, what's so special about your beloved? And I'm going to wrap up right now. They say, what's so special about your beloved? Everybody, so we're going to read from verse 10. We're just going to read like five. Or, okay, no, TPT is so long. So we're not going to read five. So we're just going to read like three verses and then we'll just stop. 
But if you continue for the rest of the of the whole place from verse 10 downward, that was you talking, talking about what's so special about your Jesus. You are answering that question. But I'm just gonna start from TPT version, verse 10 to verse 13, and then we'll wrap it up. Everybody want to go. The Bible says, He alone is my beloved. He shines in dazzling splendor, yet is still so approachable, without equal as he stands above all others, outstanding among ten thousand. The way he leads me is divine. Amen. His leadership so pure and dignified as he wears his crown of gold. Upon this crown are letters of black written on a background of glory. He sees everything pure understanding. How beautiful is insight without distortion. His eyes rest upon the fullness of the rivers of revelation. Flowing so clean and pure. Then verse 13, the last verse, everybody wants to go. Looking at his gentle face, I see such fullness of emotion. Like a lovely garden where fragrant spices grow. What a man. Glory to God. No one speaks words so anointed as this one. Amen. Words that both pierce and heal. What's like lilies dripping with my guys? You should get a pretty version of the Bible, you really enjoy it. But the Lord bless the hearing and the reading of the word for the salvation of our soul. And like God's people say, Amen. Listen, we can't get tired about talking, uh, talking about the love of God, whether you like it or not. There's a vacuum in the heart of every man. The moment you allow that love tank, you allow it to, to be full naturally. You won't have time for some unnecessary things. You won't even have time for some what somebody said about you. Because why? You already have God's approval, God's validation, and which is the only validation that stands sure. If you don't have God's love, in quotes, let me say in your love tank, but in that vacuum in your heart, you keep trying to get validation in the wrong place. You keep trying to get approval in the wrong place. So every single time you come to come and hear about how much God loves you, please, as, as much as you can, make sure you just affirm yourself in that love. That's the only thing it needs from us, that we just affirm ourselves in that love. Amen. Okay, I'm just going to wrap it up right now. Our time is gone. Father, Lord, we thank you for an amazing time in your presence. We thank you because we can never get out of your love for us. We pray, oh God, you will help us to remain in this love. Keep us in this love and let your name be glorified. You are indeed a father. We love you so much because you love us first and you love us back to back. There's nothing we can do about it, oh God. Thank you, precious father, for in Jesus' mighty name. And let God's people say, Amen. Amen. It's Jesus we're talking about you. It's Jesus we are talking about. We're talking about you. We're talking about you.